Hello, everybody, and welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. In this episode, we are going to look at 1973's Paper Moon, the classic film from Peter Bogdanovich, through the eyes of my co-host for today, Brie Elrod. Plus, at the end of the show, I'm going to take a bit of a left turn, and we're going to talk a bit about the state of horror in 2021, some hits and highlights, uh, including a special shout out to Fear Street, and I'll tell you why when we get to the end, so stick around for that. But now, without any further delay, let me give that co-host of mine a proper introduction. She is an actor, and you can see her in Sean Baker's new film, Red Rocket, a performer on the stage and on the screen, Brie Elrod. Is there anything else we need to know about you, Brie, before we get started? No, I think that's pretty, that's, you covered it. You got it. You, <laughs> you, you said the movie, you said my name, you said Red Rocket. No, I think we're good. <laughs> we're, we're off and running. And, we're and, and now, and I, this is, this is, I think the, um, this could be the first like vintage classic that we've discussed here on the oh, show really? with, oh. with Peter Bogdanovich's Paper Moon starring Ryan O'Neill, uh, as a con man, uh, turned father figure to little Addie Loggins, a uh, orphan girl turned con artist in her own right. Yeah. Who uh, Everybody's not totally sure if he's her dad or not. Like, right. seems like it could be likely, but maybe also not. And then they take off on a small crime spree across the southern United States during the Dust Bowl to ostensibly get her to her only surviving family member's house. But we spend most of our time with them on the thieving journey along the way. That's right. So this is a 73 film. When did you first see Paper Moon? I mean, I I actually, I had been hearing about it for years and I had heard, I think that Tatum, because Tatum won the Oscar for it. She won yes. the Emmy Award. I think she was the youngest person to win, win an Oscar. And she, you know, and so I'd, I'd heard about her performance on it. Yeah. So I always wanted to see it. And I did not get a chance to see it until a couple of years ago. Hmm. And I watched it a couple of years ago and I was like instantly... I was so moved. I just, I, I thought it was such an amazing film and particularly her performance. Mm -hmm, I was, mm -hmm. I was just completely floored by her, uh, natural, just her instincts and, you know, being a young girl, uh, having grown up in Kansas, certainly not during the Dust Bowl, but like I could <laughs> yeah. to her of like, you know, I, I just, there was something about her that just seemed so, I just was like, oh yeah, I get, I, I get her. I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That well, I I really I really appreciate that you had only seen it just a couple years ago yeah. because that's I think that speaks so strongly to the power of performance that you as a very much an adult woman who has seen so many films and could absorb so many you know like expressions of this art throughout your life and then you see this with a tiny little girl right and and you're still like God that performance like yes. this this character is really resonating with me and I am I am past this point in my life to where Addie could be like my one to one but at the same right. time what she's doing is so sincere and what she's doing is so real that I like I sort of can't help but be just sort of taken aback by it I was I was completely floored and I just like her character is so just um you know it's not it's not an easy character it's you mm -hmm. know and the, the levels that she has to play in that film of like wanting to be completely okay by herself but also being a young girl and like needing the the help and support of an adult mm -hmm. and kind of just like 
she's just such a little badass and mm-hmm. like she she's like instigating a lot of these crimes that they're doing <laughs> yeah. she's so smart you know she's so smart i just thought you know and maybe and kind of like red rocket in in that the, you know, she hadn't had a ton of, I, I don't think, at least previous film experiences. No, like, I'm pretty sure that was an introducing Tatum O'Neill situation. Like, yeah, that's what I think, too. First, first role. And so, you know, part of the fun of Red Rocket was working with these first-time actors who aren't all in their head about, like, acting shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, there's this kind of freshness to it. And I mm-hmm. I felt that in her performance, that there weren't these years of just kind of... I mean, there are brilliant actors who, you know, over the years have grown through acting. But, like, there's something beautiful about watching someone in the craft the first time exploring yeah. the world in such a beautiful way. That is... I That's... It's such a... when. And first or very early performances, it's so special when you see, like, the fact that, I mean, it's a different kind of film entirely, but, like, The Crush is Alicia Silverstone's first film. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. In so many ways, oh, my God. Wow. Wow. But, like, you watch, like, that person comes on screen and you're like, that's a star. Yep. Kira Knightley, when she comes on the scene with... Pirates of the Caribbean, like Love Actually, Bennett, like Beckham, and that little frame, you're like, that. that's a sensation. Yep. Um, Jennifer yep. Lawrence in Winter's Bow. Oh, God, she yeah, had yeah. Perf- She had obviously had credits up to that point, but you see her in that, and you're like, of course this is an Academy Award. Like, the amount of just raw, instinctual ability yep. that can exactly. be captured at a young age like that. Like, it is, it is not greater than or less than other kinds of more honed or, honed or crafted performances, but it's just a different kind of, it's its own kind of greatness. Exactly. I feel, I feel that way, and I think you can sense it you can feel it and you know and even like with red rocket and Susie, you know Susanna son who was like you know she just i mean sean saw her from across the way at the arc light cinema in la and just was like that she has it and that makes so is he is he america's foremost casting director sean baker pretty much yes for like basically seeing people from quote unquote across the room, for seeing somebody from the distance between himself and a porta potty, like <laughs> literally for this film, like oh this God. man, he's like he's undefeated in just knowing who has it. Yeah, he really does. He has this like special eye for who would be perfect, you know, or who he thinks would be perfect for these roles. And he, you know, he's like, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out and you have to end up doing a little, a little bit more coaching or you have to, (laughs) you know, and he's like, it's not a perfect, uh, science. And he was like, (laughs) but I do feel like I have been able to find some incredible performers just from seeing the way that they move in the world, which is, remarkable you know and i i think that that's yeah that's part of the beauty of red rocket is like the, that the performances that are given by these people who are first time actors mm-hmm. are really just like refreshing you know and real and awesome well and i think it's i think it's it's I, that's a i feel like that's a, an interesting t- position to be in as a veteran actor like yourself knowing that like he can pick out these sort of movements among the, you know, among these novice or brand new people, but he also has to know who's going to be able to work at a chemistry level with these people and know that like, that is not going to be a stylistic or clash. Cause obviously you need to have chemistry between characters. That's, that's part of casting, but that is such a specific thing to be like, you know, I was reading um, Samantha Kwan that she's the uh, producer. She was the one who called you. Right. And was like, Brie, you need, to, you, I think she said like, I was working out, I dropped my barbell yeah. and was like, <laughs> Like, I need to call Brie about auditioning for Lexi. Like, 
to know that like I so instinctually feel and she says I think I think the quote I read was like I watched one he Sean watched one second of the film and was like that's Lexi like that there she is right there and to know that like he's going to incorporate a veteran performer with some with people who are so new he has to know that they are going to be generous enough and abiding enough on screen to be able to play and be in conversation with those like that's that's an interesting way to come it's interesting cast to be asked to be a part of it really it really is and you know and I though I am a veteran uh you know performer it's been mostly stage so like Mm -hmm. I am still learning myself how to navigate my way around um, the film world. Mm. And Simon really was the one who had the most experience with, you know, and, and Sean, obviously, um, you know, with, with film and performances. And, and, you know, that, that was like a huge compliment. I think, I think it's Todd Phillips who was doing the Q and a with Sean and Simon and afterwards, who was like, you know, one of the things that I appreciated about your performance is that in these scenes, you were also like directing the people who were first time in the way that they were watching you to see yeah. what world they were living in totally you had to be fully committed to that world for them to see oh okay this is the this is the world we're playing in and I thought yeah. that was such a, a huge compliment and I hadn't even really thought about it but I was like oh yeah I guess I mean just as much as I was looking to them right for a freshness and a naturalness and like just is this how you say something down here or is this you know like and yeah but, I don't want to come off like a jackass here yeah, like am I, I for real right now I want exactly. And I'm like, Brenda, and do I sound like someone that you would know down here? Or do I not sound like Brenda plays Lil, my mom? Yeah. Um, you know, and she was very, you know, and then she, and then other times she would be like, you know, uh, why do we have to do this so many times? Didn't we do it right? What'd we do it wrong? What'd we do wrong? And I'm like, Brenda, we didn't do anything wrong. They just have to film it from different angles. You know, we have yeah. to do takes, but like that kind of thing I was able to help her with, you know, and then she was like, yeah, I love cigarettes, but I'm smoking too much. And I said, Brenda, you can't do real cigarettes for every take. Or you- oh my God. <laughs> um, and I was like, please have some of my herbals. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> so, um, you know, those kind of things that you wouldn't know if you have never done film. Before. Seriously. Oh my God. Like you'd, you're still a smoker but you'd be waking up the next morning like uh. she was she was like she was like i like cigarettes but this is too much i was like Brenda, <laughs> I, don't, I, was like, I don't know what to tell you but you gotta stop smoking all of those real cigarettes <laughs> and i think actually by the end we ended up leaving her with a pack of like herbals with the hope that maybe she was like you know making the transition no i don't i don't think she did but <laughs> yeah, Brenda's Brenda's doing Brenda wherever Brenda's Brenda doing is right Brenda. now. You know she is. Oh, she is so sweet. Yeah. Well, this is. I. It, it was as I was watching Paper Moon. I was thinking about. I was like, wow, I'm actually really, I'm actually really excited about this as a movie in conversation with Red Rocket because it 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 feels like a it feels like a movie Sean Baker would make. It does. Like, this, no, it, this, I, I was I, like, wait a minute. This this feels like the a stylistic sort of origin point for the like the work that this is this is the Dust Bowl project like right. kind of situation. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I never really thought about that, but it, it does kind of show a slice of life that is, you know, probably not that accepted back then, especially of like these con artists who are like mm-hmm. literally stealing, trying to, you know, selling selling fake Bibles from the Kansas <laughs> Bible supply, whatever. <company. laughs> 
to people that they know whose husbands have died. I mean, they're praying. Yeah, on to the people. recently bereaved in the middle of the greatest economic <laughs> collapse in American history. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It does seem like really dark, but, um, <laughs> you know, and it's also like a father daughter, like, you know, the, which, you know, is kind of the Florida project, mother daughter kind of thing. I could totally yeah. see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. I, you know, and it's funny because uh, A24, you know, had kind of a sister film experience with Come On, Come On, Mm, yeah, um, because that was coming out around the same time. We had a chance to like hang out and Telluride with like Mike Mills. And he actually said that Paper Moon was one of his um, inspirations for Come On, Come On. Yeah. And that makes so much sense, especially the black and white and Mm -hmm. the camaraderie between the two leads. That's an older man and like a younger kid and like... Mm -hmm. And the the trust and the hate and the frustration and the yeah. love and the, um, you know, and I, I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I think that this movie is, is so, Paper Moon is just, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it so much. And and I think that every time I watch it, I, I learn something new and the performances are just so good. What was now what what was the moment when you knew that Addie had her hooks in you? When were you like, "Ooh, I am I'm all in for that." Is it 2 is it her screaming $200? I heard you through the door talking that man. It's my money you got now, want it. No, you just hold on a second. I want my money. You took my $200. Will you quiet down? You hear? I want my $200. Hold on. Just hold on. That is that is it. That that really like the unrelenting $200. <laughs> so good i mean i i just i really i think that you know and when she like exactly in the moment you said when she says the 24 dollars or she like ups the price of the bible yeah. like i just was like oh yeah <laughs> i am i am with this chick i am so with her and i just i just is um yeah she just is like such a she's just such a little badass and i just <laughs> and and that she's also like you said she's not and her performance is not precocious or precious. Like yeah. it's just a kid being a kid trying to survive in given circumstances that are very difficult, you know, very mm-hmm. hard. And any other kid would be like, you know, well, I guess I'll figure this out. But she, I love that, that moment at the end when she like goes to that family and she sees what her life could be with that family mm-hmm. and she makes the decision, which I think is such a beautiful moment too, that we all, many of us have had of like, this is a decision that's going to change my life Mm. for better or for worse. This actually seems like it may be the better idea for me to do this, but I don't want it. I'm going to do this. You know, I loved that about her, that she was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I don't Mm want to be here. So I'm going to make the decision to do something else. And you know, to be with him. And I, I I love that moment so much where you just see this in her face that she's like, this is where I was supposed to be. This is the road brought me here. Mm -hmm. This, this destination is not where I want to be. It was the Mm -hmm. journey that made her who she is and the journey that she wants to continue on. I told you, I don't want you riding with me no more. You still owe me $200. Well, I feel like that's so much I, – I, I feel like I don't know somebody in the arts who hasn't had that moment oh, yeah. where they've ended up in the house that's – you know, the house literal or metaphorical that's more certain and more stable. But then they're like, nope, 
Oh yeah. I'm going to choose the like sort of the the quote unquote wrong thing because it's the thing that I have to have. Exactly. I mean, I could, I, there's so many examples of that I have in my own life. And I, you know, one of them being like, I was political science in college and I was going to go to law school. My mom's a law professor. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going (laughs) to do. And then I just was like, I don't, I want to, I want to act, you know, I was yeah. like, and so if I want to act, then I need training at that time. I was like, I need to train. Yeah. And so, you know, after I got into Juilliard and I got into NYU and I was like, I need, this is my path, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it is definitely the more unstable path. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, my as someone who's was, spent their life working in journalism and now journalism and film, I've clearly never met a practical career that I wanted <laughs> yeah. to pursue. Thank you. Okay. Clearly. Thank you. I mean, listen, yeah, exactly. Journalism similar. Um, the number of times I wish that I loved computer science. Not that I um, wish I was doing it, but that I wish I loved it. Me too. I think that all the time. I'm like, can I just code something? Can I like learn medical coding and just like, <laughs> yeah. get and, like have a nine to five and make a sick amount of money? And then like, yeah, can I be passionate about civil engineering, please? Thank For you, the I love know. of God. No, I wish that. I wish Turns that out I can't. Them but I can't, I can't, (laughs) I know I really can't. No. And I, and I have to say like, you know, and maybe like, well, also why I'm drawn to like Addie is like one of the, one of the instrumental moments in my life and making that decision was I was an intern with the 52nd street project Mm. um, in New York city and it's in hell's kitchen and they take kids from hell's kitchen and they make art with them and they, the kids write the plays. And so it's giving these kids this like agency to like share what they're going on through, but through art, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in watching that, it made me realize how transformative the theater can be, that it's Mm -hmm. not just for, you know, to be honest, like rich, white, six-year-old women are the traditional people who are going to plays in New York, but like it can change lives on all levels and all socioeconomic areas if it can get there. And Mm -hmm. I think that that was really what pushed me into it was like, this isn't just like an ego project for me. And this Mm -hmm. isn't something that I just am like, oh, you know, I want to be in the spot. Like I want to use this to hopefully maybe change somebody's mind about something or have Mm -hmm. them look at something in a different way. And, you know, working with those kids like really opened me up in such a way that I was like, wow, these kids are writing about things. You know, like there was a kid who's like wrote about a cat who's like the cat dad was in jail and the cat dad wasn't going to get out of jail. And they were like, will the cat dad be out before Christmas? And like, there's a cat thing. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, Oh my God. The things that these kids have been experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same with like Addie, you know, it's like the the things that that people go through in their lives and that that they... in order to survive and how mm-hmm. they become survivors. I love sharing those stories. And, you know, and I kind of feel like with Red Rocket, Lexi is a survivor. And I was, yeah, you know. it, it, it seems like that is sort of the, it seems like that is sort of the core around which the rest of her is organized. Like she's going to survive. Yeah. And her mom is worried about her because she's going to do what she needs to do to survive. Yeah. And she might not be safe in, in, in certain decisions that she makes to do that. Like that with that kid, like, are you in? Like, I don't want her. I don't want her out there anymore. Like, it's just not safe, but Lexi's going to do what she has to do. I know that I had, I had spoken with one of the, with one of the studio folks about this. And I know the film had been like shared with professional sex workers in, 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 was there, were there sex workers involved in like consultation in the making of the movie? And I wondered if you had had any like communication with any, with any of the 
I I had not had direct communication with the people that Sean had um, talked to about certain things and when he was writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who works with uh, sex workers in Brazil. And so mm. watching her like over the years kind of deal with that or kind of mm. work with them, I kind of like, you know, uh, I always have had respect for sex workers and mm-hmm. I've always felt like it was a completely legitimate profession. And yeah. And I think that my journey into researching was more um, how to just how to play her as a natural human who has wants and needs and has done this for work. And, you know, is that, you know, that's what that was her job. That's what made her money. And um, so I definitely did some research, you know, and I, I watched these like porn documentaries and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I watched these so funny cause I was living with my brother and I was like, I'm watching it's for, it's for a film. I'm not <laughs> watching, watching loud porn in here, but, um, but it was really helpful to kind of get a, an inside view of what that world really is and mm-hmm. you know, what, what it takes to do that work, which is mm-hmm. hard. That's a hard and, job. Uh, my God, customer service is hard. Customer service when you are the service, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, you're like, right. You're right. Dealing with customers is horrible in retail. These people dealing with customers at this level of like connection to their self, that is the hardest job I can imagine doing. Oh, it's so hard. And we, you know, and we, I think that's the biggest compliment we've gotten is that people who are in the industry, um, there were a few people that I met at the premiere in LA who are in the industry and they came up Mm. to me and they were like, we know Lexi. Like we, we know Lexi's. Right. Like, Like you, you, you know, and they felt like they were, you know, talk about being seen. I mean, they felt like they had been seen in this film, you know, Mm -hmm. like they felt like my performance or what I was doing was not, you know, like some kind of stereotype, which to me was a huge compliment because I really was trying to avoid that at all costs. You know, I, um, so yeah, that, that, that's been really nice to hear people on the other side of it saying that they felt like it was an accurate and legitimate kind of Um, look at people who are in the sex work field. We are now going to take a quick break. And when we get back, Brie is going to discuss working with the other actors in her film, Red Rocket, both seasoned and brand new to the screen. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. And the three of us host The Flop House. It's a podcast where we watch a new bad movie and then we talk about it. Dan, you say it's hosted by the three of us. We've had a lot of great guest co-hosts like Gillian Flynn, Jamel Bowie, John Hodgman, Jessica Williams, Wyatt Cenac, Joe Bob Briggs, Josh Gondelman, Roman Mars. Yeah, and you said new movies. But what about the time we did Meatballs 2? Okay, okay. Yeah, sometimes we do older movies and sometimes we have guests, but mostly it's about us talking about like recent bad movies. And don't forget about the one where I made you do a role-playing game where you played cartoon dogs. All right, yeah. But... Shouldn't a promo be a really simple explanation about what our show's about? So what's the show about, Dan? What's it about? <laughs> what's it about? It's about friendship, all right? It's about our friendship and how we love each other. The Flophouse. It's a podcast mostly about bad movies on Maximum Fun. From the internationally acclaimed creators of Who Shot Ya comes the movie podcast... Maximum Film, starring producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark as a woman bound by passion. 
I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit, and I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life. From the makers of the movie podcast, Who Shot Ya? comes Maximum Film. That's right. We changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry. We're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune in to Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Feeling Scene. I'm your host, Jordan Cruciola, and I'm speaking to Brie Elrod about 1973's Paper Moon. Now, we were previously discussing how you see yourself in the character of Addie Loggins, played by Tatum O'Neill, but what is it like when someone sees themselves in you as a as an actor, as a professional on the screen? Because obviously, like, you can't be thinking about it all the time, because you, you two are professional. This is your job. Like, it, it is it, one of the one of the sort of the most interesting things to navigate around any conversation with a performer is like, well, I've watched everything you've ever done, and I've interpolated these uh, thoughts about a 30,000-foot view of your career. And they're like, it was a job I did, right, and right. I liked it. And right, so, like, right. it's like, okay, I'm coming at you with an unfair amount of consideration yes, for, like, your yes. oeuvre. But, like, it, it, at the same time, like, what is that like when you have those moments where you know how you experiencing things as a viewer? Like, you know that you watch Paper Moon and you're like, wow, Addie really hit me. Like, that really – what yeah. are those moments like when you realize you're the you're the person? Like, when you realize that, like, kind of you're the Addie. I mean, I, I have been so – I've been so moved by people who have reached out to me um, and people, you know, like after Cannes, there was a woman who came up to me and was like – you know, I study acting and I, I just, I really was, I was so moved by your character and I was so moved by your performance. And to me, it really is just, it's so humbling. And it's, it really, I am so grateful that people are having those experiences, um, to Lexi and to my work. And, and, and I, I hope that it, you know, it can reach some people and that people may see themselves in her, you know, and I, I know a lot of people in my own life and who have been involved in toxic relationships and, sure. um, you know, who you're, you're sitting there going, what do you see in this person? Like this person is sucking the life out of you, but yet they're drawn to them and you have to be a supportive friend as much as you can. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that with Lexi, you know, I think people are rooting for her. And I think that, you know, she's certainly flawed and, you know, there's a lot about her that's not like awesome, but we all, have, <laughs> you know, we all have flaws. And so I, I'm, I'm always moved when people reach out and, and tell me how much my performance and means to them, even, when, mm -hmm. even, even if it's on stage or, you know, and I did, I did a play once that was, um, called constellations and it's about a woman who ends up developing a brain tumor and it's really hard but it, again kind of like similar that we were talking about when Addie makes that decision at the very end to go with her or whatever yeah. spoiler alert whatever yeah, yeah 73 sorry. guys you had time you had time yeah, come on <laughs> <laughs> exactly you haven't seen it now um yeah the 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 statute of limitations is up <laughs> But when she decides to go with him, you know, there, there's that moment where she makes that decision that changes her. And, and this whole play is basically based on that. It's based 
realistically, what would happen if you did, if you said, uh, no, I don't want a cup of tea from that person. And Mm -hmm. you ended up missing out on a relationship with that person because you said, no, it's kind of like a sliding doors kind of like, you know, um, and it's a beautifully written play. It's very hard to do because you think you're in the same scene over and over again. You know, you're kind of like, oh my God. Um, (laughs) But in doing that, I, you know, after one of those performances, a, a man came up to me and he said, you know, I have that I had that thing, the glioblastoma multiform wow. in, oh. in my brain. And I have never seen a play that has addressed that. I've never seen a play that's talked about it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I really felt seen, you know, I mm-hmm. felt seen by this. And, and, and I'm like, this is what good art does. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why this podcast is here because it's like, it is, it is exactly why we're here. <laughs> I mean, good art can reflect things back to to you that maybe you are connecting to, or maybe that you're, you know, you're not aware of that you suddenly become aware of. And I think that's so beautiful. Well, and, 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 and thinking about like, you know, working with the, working with the new actors, working with the, with the actors from just around, like, you know, it seems like around Texas city, like was, was that where sort of, um, Brenda and the actor who played Lonnie, were they both from around that area? Yeah, they were all from around that area. Um, Britt who plays June, she was yeah. like walking her dog. She worked at the refinery that's actually behind the donut hole. Right, it, right, yeah. And so she was out of work because of COVID. And so she was just walking her dog. And then Sean and Alex Coco just rolled up and were like, uh, hey, do you uh, do you know Florida Project? She was like, no. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. And he was like, well, if you go home and watch it, I'm a legitimate, you know, yeah. uh, filmmaker and uh, we'd love to have you in this film. And then she ends up being such an incredible, important part in this film. And and, and watching her and watching Lonnie, you know, um, Ethan and yeah. Brenda really kind of uh, explore the world of the the film was such a treat. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, like watching Brit like feel comfortable improvising you know in that moment in the end where she's like I'm gonna count to you know 30 yeah. and she's like one two three four five thirty yeah <laughs> she does such an amazing job and and that was part because you know improv is hard you know improv is hard for yes even like improvisers who do it all yeah, the time improv is hard for stage improvisers who that's yeah. their whole deal exactly and so to actually like you know throw these first-time performers and be like ah whatever you want to say I mean, you know, and some were able to be a little bit more playful and then some were a little bit too scared and a little bit timid, but they, the, the people, you know, the ones who really kind of stood up to the challenge really, I mean, were so kind of stand out to me because I, I really, I, it's it's so brave. It's so courageous to be like, I don't know, I'm just going to say these things. And, uh, some of them ended up being some of the best, you know, best stuff in the film. So what a, what a perpetually like in a, it, like Sean Baker's a big deal. <laughs> He's a big deal filmmaker. But what and but it is if his sort of unique uh, position to where he is constantly being humbled by putting people in his films who have no might have no goddamn idea who he is or what he's done. Well, have you seen the Florida project? No. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. okay, but I really want you like to to still to be as sort of lauded as he is and yeah. and be a sort of a, an event filmmaker. Like if if Sean Baker puts out a movie, you're expecting it's going to have a for your consideration campaign put behind it come come award season and to constantly uh be to find yourself continually pursuing people who have no idea who the hell you are and you're the one trying to make the case to them 
That's a fascinating position for a very big deal director to be in. It is. It really is. And, and it's the way he really likes to work. He loves kind of pairing um, professional actors with first time actors because he just feels like it it adds such an authenticity to the world mm-hmm. he's trying to create. And he's not wrong. And he's been able no. to do it very successfully. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it, it is kind of a, you know, again, like kind of like he's shedding all of his ego because he just wants to make a good, he wants to make a good product. And, and in doing that, he realizes that, you know, he, in, in order to do that, he's got to find the right connection, you know, the right like chemistry. He, could, he couldn't ever pull Like, do you know who I am? Cause people be like, no, no. Great. Cause I want to give you a job. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, th- I think that, and then I think once Brit saw Florida project and Ethan too, yeah. I think they were like, oh, this is, yes. Yeah. I want to be <laughs> yeah. a part of this. I, I want to do this. And I, That's and a I, good business card. Okay. Yes, exactly. Well, and it's funny because Sean is like always talking about how he's so sad that like nobody has DVDs anymore because he used to walk <laughs> around to be able to like give his DVD to someone and be like, <laughs> yeah. here is Florida Project. Here's Tangerine. Watch these. You're like, I don't have a disc drive. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do I take this? Um, <laughs> I guess maybe my grandpa has a... <laughs> um, <laughs> So like, I know that it's been hard for him because now he just kind of has to like really legitimately creep up on people or, or like, <laughs> can I send you Brenda. a link? And with Brenda, who he found outside of the porta potty, which you mentioned. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, that was just, I mean, I don't even think she went home and watched Florida. I think she just was like, yeah, that sounds good. I yeah. Think she- <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm in. Yeah. Why not? Well, I think because I there's, there's so much, I mean, a part of doing that has to be like, you have to be perpetually curious. Like you have to be constantly wanting to learn. And I think like, it seems like to do, to do your job most effectively, I, I feel like performers kind of have to constantly be, be wanting to learn or, or at least like be open to like kind of a, a, a ungodly amount of empathy, like to where, and I wondered about like, you know, finding yourself in a position like with Red Rocket, where you kind of find you're like, oh, I'm, it turns out I'm sort of leading from the front here. Like, I'm just, because I know what I'm doing here and I'm I'm experienced, I'm a sort of default leader figure. I need to sort of set a tone here. And then you can also go, you can also go watch a movie with starring a 10-year-old, 9-year-old probably when she made it and be like, wow, I am just knocked off my feet as an adult woman by this 10-year-old girl. Yeah. Like, I wanted to hear about sort of that effect of... Like, what do you, what do you learn from a performance when you watch something from a 10 year old girl who just like you sit down and that shows you a thing or two? Like, what is, what is that like as somebody who does that same job and realizing that like, you know what, 10 year olds can still teach me a thing or two. Oh God, absolutely. I mean, I, I learned so much from Tatum O'Neill's performance just about like, uh, living generously in the given circumstances Mm -hmm. in the world. And, and just, like I said, her naturalness and her ease. I mean, like there, there's like this expression in the theater of like, somebody described it, which I thought was such a funny way of saying it, but is actually very accurate. It's like, oh, that person is on stage and does not look like their butthole is clenched. Right. So like that that basically means that that Evocative. Yeah. But it basically means that person is, you know, is of ease, you know, that person Mm -hmm. is at ease. And like one of my greatest um, acting teachers, Ron Van Loo, you know, when we finally just at the end of our days at NYU grad, we're like, what do you think acting is, you know? please tell us, like distill it down to, and he was like, well, I guess if I had to distill it down, it would be doing the most difficult things with the greatest amount of ease. And I think- Oh, 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 that easy? 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, why it, didn't you say so? And it really, it really is when you see amazing performances, they make it look so easy. And I mm-hmm. think that Tatum O'Neill and you know, and Paper Moon makes it look effortless, and that is skill. That mm-hmm. is not, that is not easy. That is not, I mean, that is just, it's so beautiful. And, and, you know, and, and talk about like performances of young girls. I mean, like Florida mm. Project. I mean, like we were oh. talking about, I mean, that, that is also a performance, you know, by little Brooklyn who mm-hmm. just put her heart out there, you know, and in such a brave, beautiful way that you're just, you're watching the world through her eyes. And I think that's the thing with Tatum too, with Addie, you're, you're seeing the world through her eyes and, and you remembering what it's like to be a vulnerable 10 year old and mm-hmm. like where you were and like, gosh, you didn't even have all of these things happening, but still you remember like that feeling of like wanting to not just feel like a tag along, but wanting yeah. to feel like, no, I got, you know, I'm, I'm an active member of this, per, you know, true. <laughs> yeah. I've got things to offer to this outfit, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that there is kind of this like wanting to feel like you're a contributor, even at that mm-hmm. age. And, and, um, you know, I just, uh, watching it is such a lesson, such a masterclass really for me. I mean, it, it just as much as watching, you know, like Cher and Moonstruck or, yeah. you know, it's like, Mahershala in Moonlight, you know, you're, you're, you're just like sitting there, you know, uh, saying, wow, this person is just living so generously in this world. And what I thank you for bringing me in because if they're tense or if anything feels a little off, like you just immediately are taken out of it. But with those performances, I really just, I felt like I was, I was in it. I I was rooting for them. I wanted to know what what their story, how it was going to unfold. Mm-hmm. Now, what now when you were little, were you were were you an Addy or were you definitely not an Addy? I mean, I I definitely had some I had some Addy qualities. I remember uh, I went to my friend's birthday party at a Holiday Inn here in Topeka, in Topeka Kansas. <laughs> and uh, we were playing pool, but we ran out of money to play pool. And so I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just get I can feel the balls in there. I'm just going to stick my hand down. In I'll there. stick my tiny arm in there. <laughs> I'll stick my tiny arm in there, which. <laughs> promptly got stuck. (laughs) And so the like probably teenager who was working at the Holiday Inn had to like come over and help. I was so embarrassed, but I was really, you know, I was trying to steal. I was trying to cheat. Uh, (laughs) You know, that, that moment particularly is very Addy. And, you know, I really, you know, and it's funny because I, I actually, when I was growing up, I really liked dresses. I liked wearing dresses. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I liked all that thing, but I think as I've gotten older and maybe that's how I like respond, I like, like I'm more into, you know, just, uh, I love a good overall situation. <laughs> yeah. I love a good coverall, you know, and I'm, you know, it's the same reason I'm drawn to Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Yes. That, 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 that joins hands with one another. Yes, exactly. There's, the, there's this, there's this survivor attitude and this like no nonsense kind of like question asking interrogation of a kid that just, uh-huh. I, I so appreciate, you know? And, um, yeah. And maybe, and maybe I just, I see one of the things again that I, I learned at NYU grad, we had a clown class with Chris, Chris Bays, who is like so incredible, amazing teacher. 
And he says that one of our greatest tragedies as humans is that we grow up and we are taught no all the time. Like there's yeah. a in our life as we're, we are little clowns, he says, you know, we're these little clowns going through the world <laughs> curious. And one of the exercises he has us do is we like go around the room and say, Hey, looky, looky. And you just like, look at things that you know what they are, but yeah. just you know, point at like a light switch and be like, Hey, looky, looky. And you're creating yeah. a curiosity that as we get older, we, 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 uh, lose, you know, we lose a curiosity as we get older because of life and because mm-hmm. of experiences. And so I think his thing is what we have to do is we have to go back. We have to get in a car and pick up that little clown off of the side of the road, <laughs> your little clown, and you got to put it back in the car and you got to say, you're not leaving. I'm, I got you. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to remain curious. I'm going to remain um, open. I'm going to have a heart that's ready for anything. And I, I think that that is kind of maybe what I am drawn to in those performances, you know, of Scout and uh, Addie is that there's this openness and curiosity that I hope that I can still have in my life life as a human and as an Mm -hmm. artist. You know, I think that I was, I was mulling over another kind of like conclusion question, but I don't think we get better than picking up the clown and putting the clown in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Goddamn clown. Everyone needs to go back and pick up their little former clown self and put it in the car. (laughs) Everybody get the clown in the car with you and and press on. And listen, there's a lot that's uncertain in the world, but if you got that clown in your car... (laughs) There's going to be some good times. Let me tell you, there's going to be some good, you're, good times. You're right. At the very least, you've you've said yes that day. If the clown yeah, exactly. is in the car with you, you've exactly. said yes to life. You have said yes to life and the adventure <laughs> once you put the clown in the car. That can be a horror. That can be a comedy. Yeah. That can go anywhere. Yeah, I cannot on. wait for Sean Baker's clown in the car film. Yeah. In Topeka, Kansas. Yes. In Topeka, Kansas. Oh, my God. Yes, if you and the clown are driving to Topeka, you better believe there's going to be an adventure waiting for you on the road to Topeka with the clown. <laughs> well, that I that I think that takes us to the end. So Brie, is there anything else you want to wrap up with and say anything else you want to let us know or just say Red Rocket again, whatever you want to do? I mean, I'm I this has been so much fun. I'm thrilled uh, and honored to be a part of this. And I'm I hope that people will find themselves seen in uh, elements of Red Rocket. Yeah. And, you know, anybody who really had a strong attachment to the song Bye Bye Bye, uh, surprise, you are in for get ready. (laughs) You are in for treats um, with this with this in so many unexpected ways. Pri, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about this very, this singular movie. Um, 2021 has been a year of wonderful films. Um, it, I, I, it's like cinema really came, it's, 2020 was not a fallow year. Like no. with so many blockbusters sidelined, that meant what we had were the indie releases and the small movies that were going to go day and date anyway that saved us and gave us life. And yes. this movie, Sean Baker is at maximum Sean Baker mode and it's in Simon Rex is a, is something to behold. So get out there and see Red Rocket, everybody. And thank you so much, Brie, for joining us today on the pod. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you so much. That was Brie Elrod, everyone. Go watch Red Rocket. Support small movies that could. This was pulled together in COVID conditions because everything's pulled together in COVID conditions now. And my God, as Sean Baker does every time really stitched together sort of something wondrous and and unexpected and, and intimate and small yet expansive. So, you know, 
the Sean Baker special. So go check out Red Rocket. It is now playing across the country. Now, before we go today, I told you I wanted to discuss some horror highlights of 2021. And I wanted to give a special shout out to Fear Street in that. Uh, It came out on Netflix over the summer as a three-part event. Um, They were spaced a couple weeks apart. And Fear Street, 1994, that first movie. Now, these were, you should know, they were initially um, being made out at Fox. Then Fox became the behemoth merger that is Disney Fox. And then, you know, things get lost in the reshuffle, but it ended up on Netflix. And Netflix, as you know, is a gargantuan streaming platform. It is one of the most popular ways in the world that people receive their media. And they made, it was one of their biggest summer event releases. And this slasher movie, particularly Fear Street 1994, but it carries throughout the entire um, the entire trilogy. Fear Street features queer female leads. These movies, these slashers, released by one of the biggest companies in the entire world, beaming films into the homes of millions upon millions upon millions of people around the globe. This studio put its weight behind and made a major event release out of a slasher movie starring gay leads. And I won't tell you how it ends, but I will tell you at the very least, it gives these characters of the course of three movies a chance at happiness, a chance at survival. And it's not a movie about a couple people being gay and how hard that is. And I'm here to tell you that that is literally at that level we have never seen. We have never seen gay leads at that high a profile before in a studio horror film. We haven't. Hasn't been done. People at the center of the franchise, the ones you're showing up for. I was overwhelmed when I saw I I was texting a dear friend of mine who uh, you may know from the Ots Tyrion pod and the queer horror documentary he's been working on for years, Sam Weinman. And I asked him, I was like, this is unprecedented, right? Like, we've never seen this before. Not at this level. Not at this high a budget, not at this level of distribution. He's like, no, this is this is the first. This is this is it. And you know, it's hard out there. <laughs> and as as Sam himself would say, friend, you've had a hard year. But this was a good year, as every year is, honestly. But it was another wonderful year for horror. We got the Fear Street trilogy at that level, being bold, being imaginative, being bloody and fun and groundbreaking in its way. We got malignant. <laughs> One of the craziest just bug fuck wild movies of the year that HBO Max and HBO impossibly was like, Warner Brothers, HBO, you, hey, James Wan, you make billion dollar franchise in like Insidious and The Conjuring and Saw. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll give you this big old check to make like the one of the weirdest movies to come out this year, one of the most fun and thrilling rides to come out this year, and also, surprise, in like the last third, one of the best American action movies of the year. Get out there, and if you want to see something absolutely pulp, bananas, unhinged, good time, crazy horror, get out there and watch Malignant. But then there are so many smaller films. There's Prano Bailey Bond's Censor that was wonderful. There is Julia Ducournau, the visionary director of Raw, leveled up somehow with Titan. Uh, I believe it is France's pick for its submission uh, to be Academy, to be, you know, the nation's Academy Award nominee. An ab- an, a virtuoso, body horror, queer, non-gender conforming experience 
experience of genre wonders. I mean, there's there's no trying to explain this movie without spoiling any of this movie. So just get out there if you have not seen Titan yet. And whatever you have heard about a car and human machine sex, I swear to you, that is not the craziest thing that you're going to see in that movie. So get out there and check that out. There's the medium. There's the vigil. There was David Bruckner's The Night House, which was stunning and with an absolutely full tilt committed performance, one of the contending performances of the year from Rebecca Hall in the lead of that film. There's just so, there's the sadness, which was like people, you know, that the Twitter meme, like screaming, crying, throwing up. I, I think the tagline for the sadness a zombie feels like it would be reductive, but a rage disease overwhelms the population and then they start acting out humanity's basic instincts. I think the logline for that movie could be screaming, crying, throwing up. The Empty Man came out in 2020, but it premiered in 2021 on VOD and it finally kind of got the attention that it deserved. It is an epically long sort of like psycho ghosty horror movies starring James Badge Dale. Like, there are so many selections for so many appetites this year. The the initiation, like, I could I could go on. That's the thing is I could go on. And when, when I tell you to get out there and I beseech you to get out there and support a little movie like Red Rocket, don't forget the horror films that thrilled and delighted and distracted and enamored and provoked us throughout the course of 2021. Christmas has passed. We've made the hard exit out of one holiday. We're racing toward another in the new year. But you know what? It's always around for you with Christmas scares, Christmas chills, New Year's, Easter, Thanksgiving, whatever. Horror is always there for you. So check out any number of the movies that I've mentioned. Find any roundup of best horror movies of the year that you can and start pouring through those lists. And that's our show. You can follow us on Twitter at Feeling Scene Pod or join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com slash groups slash feeling scene pod. You can also email us at feeling scene at maximum If you want to follow me, I'm Jorcrew on Twitter. It's J O R C R U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.